Welcome to another episode of the Standard of Truth podcast. I am not your host, Richard LaDuke. Now, we are here on this special President's Day bonus episode. Every President's Day, we have a bonus episode. Every President's <laughs> Day that we've had a podcast, we have had, also a, bonus had a bonus episode. That's right. This is our first President's Day. We're joined today by Garrett's mother, Renee Dirkmont. And we are very excited to have her here with us. Uh, she drove down so that Garrett could show her how to properly download the podcast. Yeah, he makes it, it, a lot of jokes at her she expense. Is, she is as much against her will in this room as probably, I mean, it's luckily she's she's older now. So we were able to <laughs> trick her into getting her up here into the room where we're recording this. Um, yes, she she is being a very good sport and does not want to do this. Yeah, but she also said something about me no longer being her son. <laughs> she, he's out of the will. <laughs> so um, we we'll start with the first question, uh, Renee. What was uh, Garrett like as uh, as a wee little child? And and be kind. Remember, people are listening. <laughs> I think that question that I get most asked most often by people who listen to Garrett's podcast is, is he the oldest in the family? And no, Garrett is number five. He has uh, five brothers and one sister. Garrett was born on Halloween, and I was so upset about that. But <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what, because you couldn't go trick-or-treating or what? <laughs> What, uh, I just thought it was awful that the doctors and everybody teased me about having a Frankenstein. <laughs> well, and and you know, as as time has bored out, uh, I find that first of all, that's very cruel. Uh, anyway, they could have just said, "Boy, your baby's fat and ugly," but no, he's literally pieced together from dead other people. He was a cute little fat baby anyway. That's uh, that's a funny story. Um, but uh, oh, I, so I think actually being born on Halloween was helpful to my development because until I was like three or four years old, I I thought everyone got candy because it was my birthday. It yeah. seemed like my birthday was a national holiday. Which, you know, uh, that uh, that was, it was very ego boosting, you know, at the time. I think uh, Halloween was always a special time for Garrett. And the thing that I think about the most is the costumes that he would pick out, he'd create for Halloween. They all had to do with some historical figure, even when oh, he was no. little. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah, kind of yeah. Well, and, and you know. I mean, I was a pirate one year, but I was. You and, know. But you were like the name, like some famous pirate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would have to. I was a. Ro I was Caesar once. And, and he friends, was a Roman countryman. Yeah. What were some of these historic costumes? So, Renee, where did Garrett get his love for for history? Obviously, it starts in Halloween costumes, but where where does he really get his love? For <laughs> it history? starts and ends. Garrett's father is an immigrant from the Netherlands, and so. He grew up listening to the stories of the war. He was born during the, the Second World War when during the German occupation of the Netherlands. And so that those that history was very important to his dad, and he talked about it quite frequently. And Garrett learned to love uh, history from listening to his father. His father was a very intelligent man, and they just really had a, a close bond, and he enjoyed 
all kinds of history. He started with, uh, he and his, he had an older brother who also was very fascinated by all of this, and they found a uh, an Axis and Allies board game. We, we bought it. We didn't, we didn't steal it. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> like, we were down by the docks. We found it at my neighbor's house yeah. in his no. closet. We found it in a Kmart, and then we ran out with it. Uh, we bought it, actually, on a trip. We went to San Diego. San Diego. We went to San Diego, and Dallin and I had we our, our pipe-moving money is what we were using. We went down to a game store there, found Axis and Allies, took it back to the hotel room, and then proceeded to play it. The rest of your lives. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, we continued to play it over and over and over again. So, But that really started his uh, interest in world history and, and history altogether. They did, He was just really fascinated by it. His brother always said he was going to be the next J. Willard Merritt, and Garrett would tell us, even when he was a little kid, that he was going to teach history to adults. So... <laughs> Well, I mean, I got to BYU students. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, 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 right. yeah, it's pretty close. Um, but uh, yeah, I I um, I loved history from a, a young age. But um, uh, I also think that I gained a lot of verbal and written communication skills from you because you were an English teacher. Right. Um, to this day, if you want to upset my mother, um, you can. Use something in the improper participle. Uh, you can, uh, I believe earlier today, my daughter said something like, yeah, we brung that blanket. And my 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 mom's eyes, they fell. You know, the, the, the countenance Jones. fell. And she realized that grandma's going to have to be here a lot more often to prevent this, uh, the, the poor English skills that are being used. But so why don't you tell us why you decided to become an English teacher? I just always wanted to teach. I never thought of doing anything else. From the time I was a little kid, I always thought that would be neat to be a teacher. And I never even considered anything else, except I was really into the politics of the 60s. Oh, here we go. And This I, is going to be the best part of and this podcast. So I decided to major in political science with an English minor, English teaching minor, just in case I... In case you weren't able to bring down the man through the <laughs> protests? I mean, in case of what? What was your plan well, of majoring in that? I I don't know what, what I was really thinking of, but I really wanted to major in political science. And mainly because I was raised in a very Republican family, and I had, I just thought, John F. Kennedy was the greatest. Please don't, please, please don't stop listening to us, please, everyone. I need, anyway, I, I, I apologize to Utah County, to Davis County, to, to. But anyway, I just really, so I majored in political science, did uh, some internships in Washington D.C., and uh, while I was at BYU, I was uh, the secretary of young the young Democrats. The College Democrats. The College of oh, Democrats. Yeah. All right. And needless to say, I wasn't. It wasn't a popular thing because Ernest Wilkinson was the president at this time, <laughs> and he was very conservative. And I really made a big boner. <laughs> I was told to make up a list of people to to come and talk to our club meetings each month. Well, I made this list, and I thought. I, I had worked with a couple of congressmen, and I thought, well, what if they'd come? Oh. So I invited them, and, and uh, 
So I just went down this list of people I could invite, and I had an, an inspiration, I guess, I don't know, to invite Hubert Humphrey, who was running against Richard Nixon for president. Hubert United. Humphrey, the Democratic nominee for the, the presidency. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I did it mostly on a whim. I didn't even think about it. I, I honestly put... Uh, put it in the envelope, addressed it, and I didn't even think about it. Well, he offered to come. Yeah. So, so he he thinking, I've got to get that all important Utah vote. Oh yeah, uh, uh, the BYU College Democrats, which I'm sure were Seven. were legion uh, then as now. Um, so, how did you find out he was going to come speak? We got a letter. He, our letter was returned, and he said, I will be there if I can. And, and he said, can I come such and such day? His administrative assistant is the one who did all the paperwork. It wasn't Now, his. he gave a very famous speech in Utah as part of his presidential campaign where he talked about halting the bombing in North Vietnam. Right. Was this the same trip when he came? To yes. Sp- mm-hmm. So... Literally at the peak of his popularity and probably at the peak of his not making Ernest Wilkinson happy, uh, it was this trip because, yeah, okay, all right. Uh, Edwin Firmage was his administrative assistant and he did all the, the background. And uh, just for your information, Edwin Firmage was Hubie Brown, who was a, one of the counselors in the first presidency, his son in law. What? And so, well, this so I always knew that Hubie Brown was a Democrat. I knew yes. that because I, I've uh, even seen some you know documents where the other brethren might have been giving him a little bit of a ribbing for his yes. Yes. political. Uh, you know, I'm sure he loved James E. Faust. I'm sure that <laughs> he, he got it. He got a lot of ribbing for it. But anyway, uh, and so Edwin Firmage did all the background planning to get him out here to BYU because he'd been invited. Well, President Wilkinson heard through the grapevine that but Hubert Humphrey was coming. coming to BYU to speak. I am lucky I got to graduate from BYU. <laughs> <laughs> he was furious. What did he say? Who? Yeah, President Wilkinson. What did he say? Did, he, 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 did, did he say you needed to cancel it? Oh, no. no. He, well, he wanted to, but he said you can't, don't have the authority to invite people to come to BYU that I haven't approved. It never occurred to me. <laughs> That's what all criminals say. <laughs> this is illegal? We can't just take crap home from work? I thought, oh. Well, see, I had been inviting people to club meetings, and then that's what this was supposed to be, is a, a, to a club meeting. Well, if Hubert Humphrey was coming, they had to open up the, the whole center. and so let, me, that- let me just give a little bit of a background here uh, for those of you who are still listening, which is probably only Rachel's mom. I know that my mom's listening because she didn't have to download this because she's here in studio. Um, but uh, uh, so in the 1968 election for president, Lyndon Johnson was the president and, and Lyndon Johnson, you know, he, he walked tall and carried a big stick and, and a big mouth. I mean, he was very, he was, he was, he was a big person in politics and in a pretty big surprise, actually, to most people at the time, he announced that he wasn't going to run for reelection. Now he'd already filled more than one term because he took over, uh, for, for John F. Kennedy when Kennedy was assassinated and, 
uh, but then had won election. He he had won his the first actual election when he'd run against Barry Goldwater. Um, and in fact, it was that that's actually the last election that Utah voted for the Democratic nominee for president. So that's the high watermark, actually, of Democrats in Utah in the 20th century. Lyndon Johnson won Utah as as, as so so it was not a completely far fetched idea that Utah had enough Democrat support. I mean, on the electoral map, the last election, Lyndon Johnson had carried Utah. Um, and uh, the, the, uh, the, the main issue, what the reason why Johnson, I mean, I'm sure Johnson says something different in his memoirs, uh, but the reason why Johnson decided to not run again was the Vietnam War had become incredibly unpopular by 1968. Um, Maybe I should ask while we're talking about politics, because that way we can offend everybody. What were your thoughts about Lyndon Johnson as pres- be- before before he uh, said he wasn't going to run again? What what did you think about him as a young Democrat? We were very frustrated at the at the time when you want uh, everybody had to all the young men had to sign up for the draft, and you're you were called to Vietnam according to your draft number. We had classmates and people in the club whose numbers were from one to five who automatically knew they had to leave as soon as the semester was over had to leave to go to Vietnam and it was very hard to to support someone who so you felt like you were opposed to the draft and the war but the president that represented your party was the one sending I mean yeah he was the one sending hundreds of thousands right, of people right. to, I mean eventually what over half a million American service members at one time in Vietnam and then of course yeah. millions serve altogether but um so were you excited when he said he wasn't going to run for re-election I don't know that I thought much about one way or the other as mm-hmm. I was just hoping that next election things would be a little better so were you someone who wanted the Vietnam War to end then? Oh, yes. yes. Did you march in rallies? And... No, we didn't do things like that at BYU. <laughs> <laughs> then as now. Uh... At the BYU. Well, see, I spent my summers, when I was going to BYU, I spent my summers in Washington, D.C. working for congressmen. And so it, uh, I... My protesting and things like that happen in the summer, not to I see. So in yeah, D.C., yeah. where, oh, where, yeah, Let where, yeah. Well, I lived on 16th Street when 14th Street was burned and, you know, oh, this wow. type of thing. So I had plenty of it when I was in Washington, D.C. I didn't need to do it at BYU. So when... She's really good. Her podcast would be so much better yeah, than actually, your podcast. I think we probably need to start a spinoff podcast, the Renee Dirkmott <laughs> no, podcast. No, let's the talk about is, Garrett. But if you were the only person who could de- figure out how to download it, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the numbers would just... It would be hard. I mean, if we lose you, we lose not only our matriarch, we also lose... At least eighty-five percent of our downloads. <laughs> You're because... not. <laughs> um. So when Hubert Humphrey, well, we'll just we'll stick to Hubert Humphrey. For just oh a yeah. No. So That's when, what all the kids want to know. Yeah. Everybody listening is like Hubert Humphrey. I'd love to be like him. No, I love. I love the. By the way, so she's telling a, a beautiful story, and it's very interesting. And then you like, you know what? Let's let's history this up a little bit. Let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, that's the reason why the podcast doesn't work very well. <laughs> because like, hey, this is really interesting. Let's talk about townships. <laughs> 
What have we talked about? Uh... So you made Wilkinson mad. Now, now let me set the table here with the political <laughs> yeah, climate yeah. at the time. I had no idea that. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't know that we're helping. But um, uh, Humphrey on that trip to Utah, he announced that if he be- was elected, he was going to halt the bombing of North Vietnam, which was seen as a major de-escalation. I mean. That was one of the things that was, you know, the only way you can win the war in Vietnam, the only way you can bring the Vietnamese to the negotiating table is by massive bombing. And he essentially held out this olive branch to North Vietnam saying, if I'm elected, we're not going to bomb anymore. So that must have made you think, well, there's actually a chance the war is going to end. Right, right, right. And, and of course, Hubert Humphrey, you know, spoiler alert, Hubert Humphrey does not win. Uh, but he, you know, it's a fairly close popular vote. Richard Nixon does win. And in fact, Richard Nixon does actually uh, End the war. de-escalate the war. I mean, so um, he uh, he certainly does things that, that upset people who are opposed to the war for sure. You know, expanding the war into Cambodia and, 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 and Laos. But um, eventually the war is going to end and, you know. That's why you all know who Henry Kissinger is, essentially. But, um, uh, okay, so no one. I, Richard just looked at me as if there's not a single person listening who knows who Henry Kissinger not, is. All right, look, I'm not saying that no one knows, but you said, so that's why all of you know. You, you, and also, I just like to say, so first of all, this is this is a lot of fun. Renee, Renee, you've got to be, you need to replace me, obviously. <laughs> it's way more fun when you're here, but you said his famous speech, and you're using the word famous again in in kind of a historical in, a, in context. air quotes. Well, I mean, like again, well, that's and that's why all of us know Henry Kissinger. Well, we we try to stay away from more modern history because I don't know it very well, and clearly there's politics involved. It's a lot easier when you're talking well, about. I wigs. will say, I will say, this is we just lean right into the. So, so you had an opportunity to meet him. Then was he very nice? Yeah, he, a lovely man. Yes, you got was, to meet him. Oh yes. Yeah. yes. How was his speech? I thought. Oh, I was so nervous that I don't remember what he said, but, <laughs> but he went. It went over really well. He got a big ovation and everything at the end, and you know, huge crowd. So it went. It went. Did well. Did you have any contact with the BYU administration after? Well, I'm just glad I graduated. <laughs> okay. Well, that's how you know. Uh, so, uh, hopefully, no one who works as my boss at BYU knows the incendiary past of my mother uh, as she was it was the 60s <laughs> so it was fine that's that's what we've always it was said just one of those things in the 60s so then what what uh what are some of the the things that kind of give a little bit of a life sketch for your son you you talked a little bit about those things i know we we keep trying to get to like find more stories from you and you just keep wanting to talk more about your son, which is very sweet. But so we, Garrett doesn't want any of that. Yeah. That, there's a reason why I'm pushing the, yeah. The, the, the Hubert Humphrey, Hubert Humphrey. <laughs> In fact, we'll call this episode Hubert Humphrey. <laughs> so Hubert so, Humphrey, the white horse prophecy. <laughs> so a little bit then a life sketch about, about your son. All right. One thing about Garrett. This is, is after the doctors made fun of me when I was born. Oh, Garrett was raised on a 40-acre farm. Uh, his dad was a nuclear engineer, so he didn't farm the farm. But Garrett and his brothers all grew up moving sprinkler pipes, working on the farm. And uh, 
they, you know, one thing, and but Garrett always had the goal that he wanted, like I said before, he wanted to teach history to adults. His brother wanted to be the next J. Willard Marriott, and he kind of worried about Garrett's uh, low expectations, he thought. Right, right. He wanted to be a, 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 a an expansive hotel magnate, and I wanted to be a history teacher. It seems... <laughs> Thank you for setting the bar so high. <laughs> the problem was, at the time Garrett grew up, the there was there were so many people graduating from history with, with a history major, more than there were jobs in the United States. And so we were kind of worried about so it. So right now, that, <laughs> that's the same thing as now, but go ahead. We, we were afraid, uh, but... We felt like it's important that he do what he's capable of doing and what uh, what he was very qualified to do. And Garrett always had these this dream of going to BYU and then gra- and graduating BYU and going to Stanford and to get his master's like his dad did. And he went to BYU with for the summer. After and then they found out that my mom invited Hubert Humphrey <laughs> to, and I was asked to leave. I was, <laughs> said to Utah State. No. <laughs> they said, you will go to the Gulag Archipelago of Utah State no. for your crimes. Anyway, uh, he went one summer uh, to live uh, to BYU, yes. to live with his brother, who was also going to BYU. The and successful uh, one, yep. <laughs> Uh, Utah State gave him a better offer, and free is always better than money, so he had to go to Utah State. And, I loved Utah State. It and, was not the death sentence. Oh, but you thought yeah. it was at first. When oh, you said, well, I it, I wanted to go to BYU. He I wanted to go to BYU to all the really UV badly. Listeners, to all the but UVU he, listeners. To, but he ended up at Utah State, and it was such a blessing because he met his beautiful wife there, who was also attending Utah State if you want to hear from her, we have a previous bonus episode that you've also probably not listened to. And uh, she's in that. He uh, And when he graduated from Utah State with his degree in history, he had to go to graduate school if he was going to teach adults history. And he applied several places, but his goal was to go to Stanford. Well, it he didn't get where he wanted to go and it just seemed you like you can just say it I'm a failure no he didn't get to go there but University of Colorado Boulder offered him what he needed to be able to go to to get his graduate degree and found it monetarily and uh, at the time the, and probably still is it's considered the most liberal school in the United States. Well, than, I, mean, about, other than, I mean, it's obviously not worse than Berkeley. Well, that's what I said. <laughs> that's what I said, uh, <clears throat> besides Berkeley. And uh, they needed, they were having a lot of uh, criticism at the time, a lot of backlash because of their liberalism. And so Garrett became their token conservative <laughs> in, and the only Latter-day Saint in the the program. And to be fair, I'm I I am a, a political independent. I, I don't actually belong to a party. Uh, but, but they didn't know literally that. anyone who believes in God who attends the University of Colorado mm. is considered a conservative. Yeah, you're a member of the John Birch Society. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Wait. Oh. I was legitimately in a class one time where we were discussing it was about 
European uh, religion. And I was in this class and people were actually making fun of the fact that some people were still, were still, I mean, essentially dumb enough to believe in God and that how religion has done nothing but suppress people. And they're kind of going around the room and, and, and I said, well, I, I, I still believe in God. And I remember, still remember that there was a very nice, very nice girl in one of these classes. And she looked at me in this very confused way and said, Garrett, I, you seem so smart. How could you possibly believe in God? So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it turned out to be a real blessing for him because he was able to live next door to his brother, who was an entrepreneur and, and going to law school at University at yeah, University of Colorado, Denver. And uh, their wives were friends. And so this, this was a good thing for him. And they were able to help each other. Uh, then... He got it, and he finally. Oh, when it came time to write his dis, doctoral dissertation, there was he had a lot of trepidation about what to do because he wanted to write it on uh, the United uh, treatment the United States government gave the Mormons or how they handled the Mormon situation from the time the church was organized till they got to Utah, and he didn't didn't know how to whether or not he should do this in a school like Boulder, but he did it. And wow. he wrote it, and he was. They were not very happy about it, but they gave him his. I did have one of the members of my PhD committee uh, make fun of the fact that I was a Mormon in my PhD defense, which is supposed to be the most, the most you know, the highest level thing. He he said. Well, you're, you're talking an awful lot about things in here. But why don't you tell me a little bit about things like Anheuser-Busch? Oh, you don't know anything about that, do you? Because you don't drink beer. He, he was, and he was not kidding, actually. He was very serious about it. <laughs> why did he want to know about Anheuser-Busch? I think because we'd been a long PhD defense, and he wanted some Anheuser-Busch. I, I don't know. I well, mean, that, well, well, why not Coors? <laughs> well, I think because, you know, he had a... Yeah, well, I mean, you'd think that, but I think he was looking at maybe the rivals, you know, trying to pin it on on the Mormons. Um. <laughs> and, uh, as soon as he, uh, he passed, you know, his uh, defended his dissertation, then he was hired by the BYU. I mean, by the Joseph Smith Papers in Salt Lake City. Yeah, and that was that was a great experience. Um, it's uh, um, fun to get the chance to, to talk to you about uh, uh, these different things. But I think that it's actually far more interesting to listen to things from your life than mine. That's why I've been trying to direct this the whole way. Don't you think, Richard? Oh, it's not even, it's not even close. It, it, not even close, really. Yeah, I know. It's, We're already getting texts in. Yeah, w- this hasn't dropped. This isn't live. And multiple people have emailed saying, put more Renee. More Renee. Yeah, we, it's I funny. gotta have more Renee. It is funny. So these, these bonus episodes are a lot of uh, fun for, for us. And, and uh, we don't necessarily care if anyone else enjoys it because we're having a good time but the thing is that uh they are the most polarizing of the podcasts we we receive very strong feedback in the positive or the negative anytime we talk about any of these things well and we make them a bonus because we don't want anyone to feel like oh i tuned in to listen to my usual discussion of the white horse prophecy (laughs) Uh, I tuned in to learn more about township and land acquisition and, and, and Craig Wilson. Yeah. 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 Craig, I, <laughs> I, I, you know, that usually he's our other download, you know, Rachel's mom, Craig Wilson, 
my mom, and then I, I you know, that's that's about it. I mean, you know, the, Jed Grow in North Dakota is the other, the other, the other download. Oh, Jed, thank oh, you uh, so much. Yeah, Jed was amazing. Uh, but um, apparently, we have quite the listenership in the Tri City areas where my brother lives. We asked my mom about that. About oh, did Nathan share the oh, podcast? Oh, you should have her you? tell the story. It's great. Why don't yeah. you tell the story? What? Oh, I I went up to visit Nathan, and I got bombarded by. Well, Nathan had been had people come up to him. There's this Dirk Mott who does this podcast. Are you related to him? <laughs> and Nathan says, "Yes, he's my brother." And and this and there are many people up there who listen to his podcast. And they came up to me and and talked to me while I was up there for church. Well, if there's that's... a lot of people up there, I can only assume Rachel's mom lives <laughs> in, in the Tri City Pasco. I don't well, know. Well, so I will say that, so that's a bit of a revisionist version of the story. Yeah, she was cleaning that up for the air. Yeah. So when she told the story originally, there was uh, a woman in 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 Nathan's war right. who came up to Nathan. And asked about it, and Nathan had no idea what she yeah, was he's talking like, no, about. No, there's no Dirk Mott who has a podcast, <laughs> no, uh, which shows the kind of family not. support I get he from did not. my brother. <laughs> what idiot would listen to my brother on the radio? That's well. That's, uh... She had uh, this lady had also read his book uh, about the translation of the Book so of Mormon. She really is that rainbow unicorn, uh, you know, the one you know that has read uh, the book and listened to the podcast. Yeah. I she, wish we could give her a shout out, yeah. but uh, well, I'll ask Nathan. Yeah, we'll figure out. Do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, find out now. Well, Nathan won't respond to you because yes, he won't he believe that you have a son that has a podcast. <laughs> but he'll think that you're clearly trying to sell him something as you're a Russian terrible. hacker. We'll what? have to no. We'll have to bring we'll have to bring her in and have her as a guest for our special Arbor Day podcast. Yeah, well, we, we'll do a we bonus episode. And what about Secretary's Day? We're doing. <laughs> The unsung heroes. The unsung, yeah. Uh, so, so we we had talked about uh, uh, before. Um, the sixties was a tumultuous time, as you were were talking about. Um, you had no idea. You had no intention of talking more about it. But when you were talking to us privately, it was very interesting. So we're going to force everyone we're gonna, else to yes, listen. So, but so you you talked about when when you had first gone. You're you're an adult. You're going off to school, and JFK is assassinated. And what just. Just you said you were such a huge fan that had to have been. Uh, it was very very hard. I was walking across BYU campus when uh, somebody, you know, there was all this commotion all at once, and this girl started crying. JFK's been shot. President Kennedy's been shot, and and I walked into the uh, to the library, and my friend from home was there, and I walked up to him and I said, "Did you hear?" and he was not very nice about his response. Wow. And I went home so devastated because I, I couldn't imagine anybody being sad that the President of the United States, had, I mean, happy that the President of the United States had been or shot. Or happy that anyone had been shot. Anybody, especially at this time when there was so much, you know, I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe that anybody would do that. But anyway, and so it was really hard for me to really concentrate for a while. I'd, it was well it was for anybody in the United States. That's all we thought about, and that's all we talked about for, for weeks at a time after that. So, so then, how did you meet? Uh, how did you meet Garrett's dad? How did you end up back oh. in Idaho? Well, I decided after living in Washington D.C. that maybe I didn't want to be a professional politician. <laughs> well, 
at this point, I mean, yeah, the track record is you nearly getting kicked out of BYU and JFK getting shot. So I it I just decided that maybe I had better use my English major and teach school for a while and see how I felt about things. And my mother was ill with cancer, and so it was important to me to be close to her. And so I got a job, a, a teaching job in Soda Springs, Idaho, and and in. Which for those of you who don't know, is is I know it's not literally the coldest place in Idaho. But it is but too. It, but there are people <laughs> who live in Star Valley who are like, I'm not going to Soda Springs because it's too cold there. It's cold. <laughs> anyway, um, my mother died that spring and I just wanted to get away. So I went to California and taught in Utah and around. And my friends that I had started out teaching with in Soda Springs wanted they had moved come to Shelley Idaho to teach and they talked the principal into offering me a contract to teach English in Shelley and so I came so I could be with my friends just like those Democrats getting this inside job hey, I, I you know if, if we, my friend my friend's my friend's father was the Democratic chairman of the party at the oh, time. Oh, so actually, that's exactly what happened. I was in making Shelley? a joke. Like, how many no. Democrats are in Shelley? No, he oh. he. They lived in Sugar City, but he was on the state Democratic committee. Oh, anyway, then there were. Well, anyway, let's forget. Remember Cecil Andrews? Cecil Andrews, yeah. great yeah. governor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Frank that's, Church. Yeah, Frank Church was really. Yeah, the Frank really, Church wilderness exists. Yeah, we, we were really, really loved Frank Church. <laughs> anyway. Uh, that we've so, now lost literally every listener we have in Idaho. So I came. I, I, <laughs> this this podcast. This, someone. So you you envision someone's like, all right, I've I've been through all of this. I am. If they mention Frank Church, I am out of here. I'm out. No, every Idaho listener that's a conservative is like, nope, and we're done. <laughs> Thank you, and you can take your liberal politics anyway. Have, by the way, if somebody asks me now, I, I vote for I vote as Republican. Oh, don't tell people that. Now we just lost all of our Democrats. <laughs> what? The, the, download, the, the download numbers on our podcast are going backwards. This is a ticker. Any, anyway, you asked me how I met my husband. Okay. He, was, uh, he was a nuclear engineer out to the site. And uh, I was... I was teaching school, lived in Shelley, and we, I don't know how we met. We just kind of met through, we, there was a, a teacher who was also the ward clerk, and uh, he told, when, he told my husband that he ought to, to meet me, and so we, <laughs> I'd never seen him, and he'd never seen me, and one, and so he called me up. Right there while uh, at the church house, the kids were playing basketball, and I could hear them in the background and and asked for a date. And so Dad just called you without ever having even met you at yeah. all. Be- hey, my buddy's the ward clerk. Would you like to go out? Well, this is the importance of a ward directory, by the way. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, his name was Wally Hamilton, and uh, he had asked uh, Pete for all his for his ward and her personal information for the, the ward wor- clerk was Wally the ward wor- clerk yeah your husband is no my husband was Peter Dirkmont <laughs> <There you go. laughs> okay. anyway that cleared up a lot of things uh, between I was questioning so much about my life anyway 
and we got married. This was in uh, around Thanksgiving time, and we got married in February. We didn't waste any time. <laughs> so you got married three less than two months after you met. That's right. Now, I've always enjoyed the fact that dad uh, deliberately married you on Valentine's Day. Right. Now that is, that's the work of an engineer. That's, that's what it is. It was absolutely an engineer. He's like, I knew I was going to have to buy an anniversary gift. <laughs> and I knew I'd have to buy a Valentine's gift. Problem solved. That's right. And that's about the way he thought. <laughs> for a long time growing up, it was probably for about 10 years that I was cognizant, you know, uh, outside of all the concussions. And uh, that my dad bought my mom a frying pan. As a joke present. Now, I don't want anyone to think like my dad was like, that's your place in the kitchen or whatever. Uh, he bought me a he, piano. He would buy her nice gifts, but always as part of the joke, one of one of the gifts would be a frying pan. Right. I don't know. <laughs> Every year. <laughs> I don't know Every why. Well, he would buy, he would also buy an actual gift, but then also just a frying a pan. A frying pan On hidden. Valentine's Day. Well, uh, no, no it Christmas, was for Christmas. Usually. It was for Christmas. Christmas. I got yeah. it for Christmas. But yeah. my birthday was in December. Once in a while, I got it for my birthday rather than Christmas. Is part of the reason that he married you that your birthday aligned to Christmas and he only had to buy one gift? No. Yeah, no. I think so. I think actually that's why He's like, he, said, I got this he said, Wally, show me her birthday. <laughs> I, I'll step out of the church basketball game right now. And I'll call. Okay, she's a late December. So what did he say that made you think, I guess I'll go out on a date with him? Oh, he, uh, he said that he was with Wally Hamilton and uh, that he told me, told him to call me. And so he did. And I had, and it was really weird. I, I was supposed to meet, and I lived in a basement apartment and I had nightmares from the time we the phone call ended until I saw him because you had no picture of him. Oh no, I had no. You are psyched. Oh, this is so. Today we call things a blind date when we say, "Oh, I only saw their picture on Instagram." And followed five years of activity. Yeah, like oh, look, looks like she used to work at you know Valley Fitness or something like that. No, I mean, in my mom's well, era, a blind, a, a blind a date is a literal blind date. You have not <laughs> seen them at all. Anyway, the day that I was supposed to be, I saw this pickup, this old blue pickup, go up and down the street outside of where I was living. Casing the joint. And uh, I thought, that's him. It's got to be him. And then when he came to the door, I thought, you know, is it really smart for me to be answering the door in a basement apartment when I can't escape? <laughs> Well, he owns a pickup. I mean, that's right. Yeah. You have no faith in Wally Hamilton, obviously. Yeah. I no. mean, well, first of all, Wally, what was he doing? You know. Anyway, giving away church we, record we, information so people can date. We just went out to dinner and he then, basically starts his own mutual, the Shelley Second Ward. No, no, we just yeah, but your dad did. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we got married and I moved into Second Ward and. So what impressed you about? Yeah, Dad, tell us about what, the first what made date. you what? Yeah. Or was it a terrible first date? It wasn't the best. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure Dad's happy to hear that. Uh, well, he knows. God he rest knows. his soul. Uh, uh, he, like, knows. <laughs> he knows. He knows. <laughs> he was there for it. So what? What made it not the best? Oh, it, it, just we got to talking about our past and things like that, and you know, we just 
It was just one of those did things. He, did he at that point find out you'd invited Hubert Humphrey to BYU? <laughs> No, okay. That was later. Yeah, very smart. Very smart. Yeah, very shrewd. Some some skeletons you keep in the closet for a while. Just because you know you were just yeah, just talking. Yeah. Yeah. What about the second date? What'd you do on the second date? I don't know. When when did when did you know? I think I knew at the end of the first date. Oh my! (laughs) So it was a terrible date. Oh, what 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 was terrible is he. He had to go to Washington, D.C. for two weeks. And so I stayed in his house while he was gone. Don't ask me why this. Sounds why. like the first day went very yeah, well. Yeah, so, so what you're saying is you moved in together. No, I didn't. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. I, I, moved, I, moved in, I moved into the house. He wasn't there. Okay, but well, my, but my that's big, not how it will be taken by any muckraking journalists. But, uh, but, my bishop, but, but my bishop said... Renee Hale moves into Dirk Mott Plantation. And no, he said, uh, my, my my bishop said, uh, I don't think this looks very good. You guys ought better get married. <laughs> so he married his son So Valentine's. I'm not the only one who's throwing a 15-yard flag on that then. <laughs> the bishop was like, um, yeah, you're not able to live in his house. <laughs> what, what was funny about it is he was also a school teacher. So there, you know, we were all t- <laughs> in the, the same boat. The bishop was. The bishop was. <laughs> And, and what was Wally Hamilton doing? He was a teacher. Oh, what did he teach? Oh, he was a school librarian at that time. Oh, there you go. The classic Wally. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, and the bishop, uh, the bishop was, uh, he, uh, he had taught for many years, but I think at this time he was the school counselor. So, but anyway, so it was. Apparently it the was school like, marriage counselor. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Relationship it, uh, counselor. Oh, this is great. Anyway. Just great. Yeah, that's good for posterity. What? Anything else you'd like to share? No, other than the. F- I, Are you going to be a regular feature, a regular part? No of way. Oh, Richard's already willing to recuse himself. Oh no, gosh. no, no. Maybe this I'll recuse myself. Renee, you were very good at this. This is it. I I was just trying to think of something that we should talk about. Oh, Garrett, <laughs> when he was in high school, he you know, along with the pipe moving, that he went to work. At, at Mr. Pizza, and loved it. He in Shelly, Idaho, the local Shelly, pizza Idaho. shop, run by this the greatest sponsored. By Sp- That's not sponsored by it at all. But 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 Shannon Albright, the owner of that, he was he was like a second father to me. Right, we, and we we would sit and talk and laugh every day. We'd work like crazy. It's a million degrees in his store. I mean, he never would, had air conditioning. No, you would you would be you'd go in there. The pizza ovens are right there, and you'd be standing right next to him all day, every day. Anyone who's worked in a in a mom pop pizza shop knows. Actually, that's where I have my son working now. Is in, yeah, in but a, it has air conditioning. Well, it has sun. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't seem to be as effective as it could be. But yeah, I mean, uh, um, but yeah, I worked worked at Mister Pizza, delivering pizzas for years. Actually, yes, it was yeah. many years. And then he went to, oh, I was going to say one thing about, uh, he went to BYU and then he went on, uh, after he went to Utah State one semester, then he went on a mission. Well, all his brothers had received their calls to foreign countries. So, and Garrett desperately wanted to go on a foreign mission. He wanted I to I grew to up in Southeast Idaho. And he wanted to, and he even studied German, so he'd be prepared to go on a, a foreign mission, and he got sent to Wisconsin. And Where there are 
Germanic people living and partially. he but he was devastated he he thought that was awful but anyway and then I got to Wisconsin and was more devastated <laughs> anyway uh, it was where he needed to be he was uh, assisted the president for 13 months and oh that's I don't know was it that long yeah it was oh, 13 it was months a, it was it's, it's interesting the way he tells it. It was he told me fifteen months. Yeah, it was, always, oh, I was. I was. I think I was assistant to president for somewhere around twenty-seven months. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I thought I was it was getting out of from the womb. Yeah. Well, right as I landed, I came off the plane. They put assistant to the president on my chest, and I did, 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 walked around. No, and... that's not true. But but it might have been longer than thirteen months. But yeah, I, I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure whatever number I gave you was inflated in any letter I wrote. Yeah, I know it was thirteen months at least, but I don't know. It might have been longer. Well, I did get to see a lot of the state. I did have some cool experiences, some really special people there, and you know, one of the things you learn, uh, you go to a, a a mission like that in the United States where there's very, very, very few members. One of the things that you that frankly you wish you could replicate. Uh, in 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 Utah or or maybe in Southeast Idaho or Arizona where there's you know a lot of members is this desperate need that the members had for one another in in Wisconsin you know if if you were a member of first of all there was when I went there there was only three stakes in the state you know there's what five million people in Wisconsin and there are three stakes in the entire state. And one was in Milwaukee area, one was in Madison, and one took up like all of the northern area of Wisconsin, um, and and it 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 was just uh, you know members desperately needed one another. You know, you're driving 25 minutes to church, and that's that the 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 saints you sit next to on those pews are the only Latter Day Saints that you saw all week. They're the only people who have any idea what your values are. And so that, that was actually something that was, it was, it was frankly beautiful. I mean, and I met some of the most amazing people who had sacrificed everything. There was, there was a family there that was just so poor. And, uh, they, they, the reason why they were poor wasn't because they weren't hard workers. Both of them worked. He worked and he was, I mean, he was probably in his, in his, early sixties, late fifties at best. And he was still working in the manufactured housing industry, roofing houses the whole time. And it was, you know, really hard work. His, his, his wife also worked. And the reason why they didn't have any money is their kids had just, you know, addictions to drugs and alcohol. And so they were raising all of their grandkids and it was, a considerable number from, from multiple different kids. And they had gotten, you know, legal custody of these kids because they've been, they've been treated badly and abused anyway. So they, they had nothing. And yet these, these people, they were in a legitimate fashion willing to give their shirt off of their back for anyone who was suffering or struggling. It, it actually, it made me feel bad to go to their house because I knew that they didn't have the money to pay for the food that they were trying to feed us that should have gone to the grandkids that they had, but they loved the gospel. And I remember having a conversation with him. I said, you know, brother, why are you are just, 
You're doing everything for everybody. You're always out. I mean, if there's snow, he's shoveling people's yard. He, he's taking the missionaries everywhere. And he, and he said, this gospel, he said, this gospel changed my life. This gospel is the most important thing that's ever happened to me and my wife. This gospel. He just kept saying that. Remember, he just kept kind of repeating this gospel over and over. And I, I wanted to have the connection with the church desperately that this family had, where everything in their life they attributed to God, every happiness they had, they attributed to what God had blessed them with. And here they were suffering and struggling. And they were, they couldn't have been more grateful to God. It, it was, it was beautiful, a beautiful uh, aspect of, of serving there. So I didn't mean to take too long to tell this. I feel like I always tell I a bad Wisconsin to... story, but you know, I think we need to end. Oh, <laughs> that's probably the way we should end this then is, well, I mean, it's, it's just been an absolute pleasure. And Renee, when when you've been in the podcast business, as long as Garrett and I, you can really see talent and you've yeah, got, you've. You've you, got it. You've got talent, and but we do need you to continually download the Please. episode thirty to forty times a week. Yeah, we that, do appreciate that drove it. our early numbers. It drives our late numbers. Uh, I'm sure if we ever got some analytics going on this, it would show <laughs> Idaho Falls, Idaho, Idaho Falls, Idaho, Idaho Falls, Idaho. So I, I will say, in 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 seriousness, though, Renee, I so I I have been friends with your son for twenty plus years. Yeah. And, uh, and the impact and influence and, uh, and guidance and teaching that you and your husband provided for him has been uh, a marvel to, to watch as he has um, grown into what it is. And I, I just me personally, uh, just love you so much and thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Mom. Love you. Love you too, Garrett.